Well, good morning. Is it still morning? It's still morning. Good morning. And happy Mother's Day. It is a privilege um, to get to be here with my mom and my dad, since I don't get to be here for the Father's Day. And a privilege to get to be with all of you as well. And um, moms are a big deal. And um, I sure am thankful for my mother and my sister. I always tell people I have the best sister in the world. She was. I'll have to take time another time to tell you why. But she was honestly the best sister ever. And I sure appreciate her. I am so excited. I think I say that every time I come here and I talk. But I am. And it's getting worse every day. And I'm not even kidding. People that know me uh, know that I've been around the Lord a long time now. And it's better every single stinking day. And some days are stinking. And he gets better every day. And I have have something. I I teach a, a women's group. We have men that come as well. But it's majority women on Wednesday night, and we, it's entitled 2020. The class is called 2020. I think I've told you that before. But um, the whole point of that name is to get into clear focus of who God really is and who we are in him and what we are to be about and to see things very clearly. And, and so I want to talk about some things that are kind of actually basic um, to our, our foundational, to our Christian walk, but I believe that the Lord wants to really get some things settled in us today. Because it's very easy over time for life to get real loud and for, for our past experiences to really have a strong voice. And I believe the Lord wants to kind of really jump in there with us and say, let's get this settled, because we're moving forward. I don't know about you. I don't know if you study the end times. I don't. I, I read the book of Revelation, and I have studied end times at times, but the Lord could come back today, and he could come back in 200 years. And it doesn't really matter, because it doesn't change for us the mission and what we are about. So whether you think it's right around the corner or you haven't even thought about it, it doesn't matter. And we're going to get down to what really does matter here. And, and so um, I want to start by saying back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God was saying, let us make man in our image. And in our likeness, the verse goes on to say. And notice the plural there, let us and our, okay? So it's the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so we were created in God's image. And the first was Adam, and he was created in the image of God. And the image of God is love. That is who God is. All of the wonderful fruit of the Spirit, and, and, and gifts of the Spirit and everything, it all flows from love. Even God's discipline flows from the purity of love. So we were created in his image, in his likeness, and we were created to become love. 
And so Adam and Eve, here they are in the garden, and they are in complete communion with God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Total communion, okay? They didn't even realize, it says, they didn't even realize they were naked. Because they were filled and consumed with the love of the Father and the glory of God. And they were in this garden and they walked with him and they talked with him and they hung out with him. It was total communion. And then what happened was the enemy came along because, see, always from the beginning, see, he wants to be like God. So things that are created in the image of God, since he can't be like God, he wants to distort and pervert and turn away from what they're created to be. And so that is his job and his goal. So in the garden, he goes to Eve. He tempts her. Uh, she takes a, a bite of, of the fruit. And then Adam did as well. And right then, they became aware of, of good and evil, the knowledge of good and evil. And isn't it interesting? All of a sudden, they became aware of themselves because they got cut off from that pure love of the Father, that image that they were created in, that thing died in the garden. What we were created to live in, the image of God, love, and total communion, that thing died in the garden. And all of a sudden, they became aware that they were naked, and they ran and they hid. They, it said they sewed some fig leaves together, ran and hid. And then I also find it super interesting that, that as, as God came, he knew where they were, but he's like, Adam, where are you? And when they go through the little, you know, discussion of all he says was, did you eat from the tree? It was really a yes or no question, right? And Adam's like, it's that woman you gave me, right? Already doing the self-preservation self-defending, becoming about self. All he needed to say was, yeah, I did. I messed up. But no, it's immediately. And then, and then Eve's like, well, that serpent. We start blaming because it becomes about ourself. And that's the big issue that happened in the fall. So we were created in the image of God and we were created to be in total love and communion with him. And that got cut off. So we started looking for love in all this direction instead of this direction. And we're actually born into that. It says in, in the word, it says we were born into Adam. Okay. We were born into Adam. Because he sinned and caused the sin for all of the earth. Because that, that spirit within us that was created in the image of God, it died with sin. But that's why Christ came. And that's why Christ said in John chapter 3, verse 3, he said, you must be born again. Because see, when you were born by the flesh through your mother, you're still not alive. You've got to be born again and allow what I have done for you to take care of this. So here we go. We are here to manifest the image of God, the glory of God, which is love. He, he then goes to tell Adam and Eve, God did in the beginning, 
Go be fruitful and multiply. All right, because he wanted his image and his glory to cover the earth. Okay, so then we have the fall and the focus became very self-centered and God, but God never, never one time lost sight of what we were created to be. He never lost sight of that. And you know, there was some bad sinning going on because already by chapter six, he had to send the flood. To destroy, because it said that men's thoughts were on evil all the time. So it wasn't that we started, you know, being better and and he never lost sight. No, he is love and he created us to be his sons and daughters and to be right in total communion with him all the time. And so because of sin... He sent his son. He never lost sight of who we were and who we are to be and what he created us for. So he sent his son, Jesus. It says in Philippians chapter 2, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. You know that, those verses where it says, who being in very nature God did not consider that something to be grasped or held on to, but he made himself nothing. Okay? Being made in human likeness, you know, taking on the very nature of a servant and so forth. He gave himself over to death, even death on the cross. And therefore God exalted him. So because of that image that we were created to be in and to live in and to commune in and to show forth over all the earth, that thing got destroyed by sin. So Christ came. And I don't know about you, but all growing up and in a lot of churches and camps and all this, you know, in my mind, and it's probably just the way that I perceived it, or I know I've, I've heard sermons like this, but we always think Christ came and died for sinners. But did you know that's not why he came and died? He died because we sinned. He had to come and die. But he came and died to get us back to himself, to get the sons and the daughters that were created in his image, to get that restored and brought back to its rightful place, which was in communion with him again. See, he never loses sight of you. He never loses sight of what he has created you to be and your destiny and your purpose. He loves you so much. He is love. Being born again, like it says in John 3, 3. Being born again is not just saying a prayer so that we can go to heaven. Now, actually, if you're on your deathbed, that works. God loves you. He wants you with him, and that works. But being born again is exactly what it's talking about. It's a transformed life. 2 Corinthians 5, I believe 17, verse 18, right along in there, it says, Behold, all things are gone. All the old is gone. Everything becomes new. You are a new creation in Christ. So the past is gone, okay? All of the past. Even what your mama and your daddy 
and whatever pass on down to you. The old is gone. The new has come. He took care of it all on the cross. Through his blood and his body, he took care of all that completely destroyed what we were created to be. He took care of it all. Now, you know, there's some parallels in, um, in the whole thing with Jesus. There are parallels in like, you know, he died so that we could live. You know, he was rejected so we could be accepted and, and all this. There's multiple, multiple parallels. But one that, that I heard that is absolutely my favorite and I think is the coolest thing in the world. And it actually makes me cry every time I think about it. Is, do you know why Christ had to have his body literally beaten to a pulp? You know, you think, hey, the 39 lashes should have been enough or even a couple, you know, just, just to get the job done. I mean, after all, he was crucified. He shed his blood. Why did he have to literally shred, have his back shredded? It even says in Isaiah that he looked like not even a form of man. He had been beaten and marred more than any of the sons of man, it says. And do you know why that is? He had to become, in the physical, have his body beaten like that. Because, see, we no longer looked like what we were created to be. Our image had been completely Distorted so that we didn't even look anything like what God had intended because of sin. And so he became completely shredded and his image completely torn. So that our image could be restored back to the father. He went through that for you. He went through that for me. He covered all the bases. He crossed all the T's. He dotted all the eyes, he, all, all of the eyes were dotted. He covered everything because of his love for you and for me. So a transformed life, being born again, not just saying a prayer to go to heaven. Heaven is going to be awesome and I can't wait to go. But that is not why I become a Christian. And we're going to get to this. Matthew Chapter 16, verses 24 and 25, Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. See, Christ said, you got to follow me. You got to come and follow me. And in order to do that, You have to deny yourself. See, that whole thing of baptism, you know, baptism in water, the whole symbol of it, going down the old man and being raised up the new man. Okay? That's being born again, and that's dying to the old self. What came about because of the fall, all of the selfishness, all of the self-centeredness, you know, self-preservation, self-defense, self-consciousness, all of this came from the fall, and we die to that 
when we come to the Lord. Because that is bondage and deception. It kills us. We can't even live when we're living for ourselves. And so we go down in baptism and we come up the new man created to walk in the image of God, which is love. Pure and simple, it is love. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. Revelation 12.11, this is a famous one that I always hear part of it quoted because it says, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And we're like, woohoo, you know, we overcame because it's talking about the enemy in that, in that chapter. They overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. But the last part of that verse says, and they love not their life unto death. See, they, they knew that in order to really live, they had to give up their life. They had to give up what in the natural comes naturally to us because that is the only way to overcome. Colossians 3, 2 through 3, through, 2 through 3, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life? See, Christ becomes our life. We lay our life down. That means every day, daily, I wake up and I'm like, Lord, it is going to be a good day. Because it's not going to be about me today. It's going to be about you and what you want and what you are doing and what you are saying. And that doesn't mean my ducks are in a row. And that doesn't mean that everything in my life is hunky-dory, all good and all fine. It means that if I go by my life circumstances and the way people are treating me throughout the day and whether I get cut off in traffic and whether my kid's having problems at school, then my life is literally going to be like this throughout even in, in the course of one day. But he calls us to deny that. Don't let that be what gauges who you are and how you are doing. You have been bought with a price. You are my son. You are my daughter. I love you. You have been created in my image to show forth my image to the world, to show my love to the world. So when you feel the squeeze of life, and we all do, we feel that squeeze. It's hard and tragic things happen and difficult things happen. It is just another moment for Christ to come forth. Christ to come forth. That's why I'm still here. Otherwise, if, when I became born again, I'd shoot straight up to heaven. Because why else are we still here? We have a purpose to fulfill, a destiny to fulfill. We have a legacy to leave, and we got to get awakened to this. We got to get awakened to what God is doing and saying here and now. But you know what? Life gets heavy and hard because we start focusing 
on things that are around us on the time. And what people say to us and what they don't say. And that begins to form us and make us and shape us instead of the great potter. Him being the potter and us being the clay. And we say, it's not about me, Lord. It is about you. You mold me and make me into your likeness because that is your will. That is why I'm here. I am here so that others, when I walk into a room or when I walk into a gas station or when I sit, uh, I was sitting in Jiffy Lube a week and a half ago getting my oil change. And I was sitting next to this gal and we just started talking. And uh, she just kind of began to open up to me about how she'd been going through chemo and everything. I ended up praying with her and just loving on her. I don't know if she got healed. I prayed for every bit of that cancer to loose from her body and be gone in Jesus' name. I believe she's healed. But even if she didn't, she got loved that day. She got loved on. Because you know what? I'm getting real hardcore about who I am in Christ and what my purpose is here. It's not about me and my inconveniences and I don't really have time or I am uncomfortable. Um, it was funny because when I was sitting there in Jiffy Lube, the guy was calling me up to, to pay my bill. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, just a minute. We were right in the middle of this and I knew that this needed to get taken care of. Our purpose here is so awesome and so exciting, but it cannot happen if we're still trying to live for self and in the flesh. It can't. It cannot happen if we're still trying to do both things and allow our feelings to to overwhelm us and trump what the truth of God's word says. Feelings are so strong. And we have got to allow them to be taken captive, like it says in 2 Corinthians 10, 5. Because we're not, we're not here fighting a war with flesh and blood. And we are to be taking those thoughts and those feelings captive and allowing that to be a channel just to have intimacy with the Father. Now, Lord, thank you that I don't have to go by the way I feel. Thank you that I feel completely discouraged. Thank you that I don't have to live that way because I have you. I have it all. I have everything I need because of who you are and what you have done. See, God settled his love for you and me. He settled it by what he did by sending Christ to the cross. You don't ever have to question whether God loves you and whether he's for you because he settled that by sending his son should not ever be a question again in our minds. He settled it by what he did on the cross. Dead to self, which is the result of the fall, and alive to Christ. Whether I live or whether I die, it's going to be Christ. It's going to be him. And I'm growing that in that more each and every day. I am growing in Christ. Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so if all of us in this room, 
And we got a nice big number of us in this room today. If all of us go forth knowing that Christ is within us, the hope of glory, there is hope for the glory of God to start covering this whole area. Everywhere we walk. But instead, we have a tendency to to get irritated by people at work. We have a tendency to get irritated by people at church. And last time I checked the word, there's no room for that. And I'm going to talk real plain and real straight and real strong because you know what? It's the truth that sets us free and nothing else. Did you know you may be placed in this church or in your job or, or where, whatever example you want to use? Because the Lord is trying to get you all nice and dead. He is trying to get, there, there was a gal um, that, that came to her pastor. And um, she was like, oh, pastor, we've got to pray that God gets my husband saves him and gets him he is just driving me crazy he just knows all my buttons to push and I just get so frazzled he doesn't want me coming to church and I I get here anyway but it's just a mess and the pastor took her hand and looked her in the eye and he said how about if we pray instead of praying about all the buttons that he pushes how about if we pray that you become buttonless No buttons. How about we pray that? That there aren't any buttons to push anymore because there's nothing of you left alive to get jerked around. Y'all, that's freedom. Did you know that I am coming into a place by the grace of God and only by his grace, I am coming into a place where people can't offend me anymore. I I don't get offended. And I used to get offended a lot, like probably all of us. But I don't get offended anymore because it's not about me. See, I'm dying. I'm dying so that I can really live. Because if I walk around and every little thing that people do, whether they smile at me that day or they don't smile at me, or where they, they say something mean or they don't say anything or whatever. I, I used to get ruled by stuff like that. I lived under so much guilt and condemnation all the time. It was horrible. But see, I'm dying. I'm dying to that self so that I can truly live. So that it's not about me and my agenda and whether I think I'm right or not. I went through this thing. For several years, went through this thing that that was with uh, quite a few believers. And uh, let me just tell you, for, for, you know, the record, I was right and they were wrong. You know what I mean? I mean, I really was. I was so right and they were so wrong. And that got me in a downward spiral. That was the biggest, one of the biggest deceptions that I've been in. It was absolutely ridiculous. 
that I wanted to hold on to my right to be right, and I had to prove it that I was willing not to love those around me in that situation who are created in the image of God. They are his sons and his daughters, and he loves them so much. He paid a huge price for them. They have such great value, and I had reduced it all to me being right and needing to prove my point. It's embarrassing, and it goes on all the time in families, in churches. Y'all, the Lord wants to wake us up. He wants to say, no more of that. No, did you know the word says, do not grumble and complain about anything? We're like, oh, but that doesn't really mean that. It means do not grumble and complain about anything. Oh, but you don't know my situation. I'm just sharing because I need to be able to talk to my friends or what. It says, do not grumble or complain about anything. There is not anything in life that this truth of God's word, that this book does not pertain to. It even says he has given us everything, all we need for life and godliness. And what he wants us to come into is to come in and realize what's in on the inside of us. What he has placed there when we became born again. He wants that to become the main thing to rise up in the strength and the humility. The wonderful humility and surrender to the Lord and go live out him everywhere we go. And if we mess up, we get to go, oh, Lord, we get to repent. Repentance is not beating your head at the altar and crying and bawling. That's not repentance. Because what we do is we feel bad and then we get up and we go do the same thing again. Repentance is a change of mind. It's a transformed and a renewed mind to what the truth actually is. And so we get to repent if we mess up and get right back in there with the Lord. And say, oh, God, thank you. Where I messed up there, I thank you. That's not really who I am. I'm actually living like a hypocrite when I act that way. Because I am born again and it is Christ in me. It is you in me that is to show forth the glory all over the earth. God's plan is to get his sons and daughters back. Christ living in them through the Holy Spirit is the hope of God's glory to manifest and cover the earth. Since his image is is love, I want to read these few verses to you from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Starting with verse 4, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. There's another translation that says it keeps no account when it's suffered wrong or injustice. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. That is supposed to be 
our theme, our thesis, our main idea, whatever you want. That is to be our life right there. When we go forth to show the love of the Father to our brothers and our sisters and to all those out there that don't know the Lord and they really are our brothers and sisters, they just don't know it yet. It is the hope and the power of God to go forth and show himself. How are people, we always say, oh, they need to see Jesus. How are they going to see him if you don't show them? Why do we think it's okay that being a Christian, that we still respond to life circumstances and tragedies and all of that? Why, why do we think it's okay to, to, to respond the same way somebody would if they didn't know Christ? I'm not saying that to be mean because I, I get with the Father on this every day in order to die. I want to be like him because I was created to be like him and to grow in his likeness from glory to ever increasing glory. And if we get, if we're just adding Christ to our life, what we end up being is we kind of get into, you know, a thing about God bless me and, and prosperity and, and all of the blessings of God and all that God can do for us. And then if we come up against a life circumstance where we don't feel like we're blessed or we feel like God's not doing what he needs to be doing in our life, then all of a sudden we question who we really are. And we question what's going on in our life and like, God, where are you? And why I'm, I'm so terrible and I'm this and I'm that. And we get all confused because we don't think our life's blessed. But see, our life is blessed because of what his word says and what he did on the cross. That's why our life is already blessed. And I guarantee you, y'all, If we will humble ourselves daily and throughout the day and we begin to get with the Father and grow in intimacy with him and just be real with him and say, Father, I don't want this to be about me. I want to live for you forever. I want you to change me. I yield to you. I am willing. I want to yield everything to you the way I see people. The way I feel about people. Because, you know, I I think it's Joyce Meyer that has said this before, and it it cracks me up, but she's like, I could be a really, really good Christian if it weren't for people. You know, like, just, like, nice all the time. I mean, I could, like, literally, like, walk around and pray all the time, all that, if it weren't for people. But see, people are who God loves. That's who he's after. And if you don't know him, he's after you because he loves you so much. And this world and the enemy has deceived us in so many ways. And and, and it it, it happens just through, well, we're in a war. And and, and things just happen in life that are hard. And yet God doesn't change. And growing in love with him and receiving his love. That's one of the main things that I have been learning 
is just learning to spend time with him and receive his love. Just receive it and get transformed by it. Because see, the more that I get transformed into his likeness, which is love, the more I am going to love others. Jesus said the first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then next was love your neighbor as yourself. I'm not going to be able to do that if it's all about me or even partly about me. I'm not going to be able to love as I should because people are going to do things that I think are wrong or injustice is going to be done to me or people are going to handle situations that I don't agree with and I'm going to get myself all in a mess because the key word there is myself. And we need to die to that so that we can be free. And y'all, it needs to start in your family and it needs to start in this church family here. Loving each other as Christ loves us. That's what we are called to. We are not called to say, yeah, but. We're called to come to him and die. First John 4, 7 and 8. That's actually a little song. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. I can say all day long that I'm this wonderful Christian. I can say all day long that I can quote scripture and I read my Bible every day and I read my Jesus calling every day. I can say that all day long. I can raise my hands when I come to church and worship service. And yet if I'm not love, I don't know him. If I'm not love to those around me, I don't know him. And one of the biggies, at least for me, I can't speak for you, but one of the biggies is being able to lay down my right to be right and just be willing for him to do what he needs, to, to be able to keep the peace, be willing for him to work in and through me. Because me being right is not the main thing. It means nothing when it comes as a sacrifice to those that he loves so much. It means nothing, me being right, if it comes at the cost of his sons and his daughters that he loves so much and me not treating them with total love and laying my life down for them. That's when you're truly free. Is when it's not about me and my things and my agenda. It's about me becoming like him. So that's been the prayer now. It's not, Lord, fix my boss. Lord, give me a new job. I can't stand those people. There are whole, there's so much darkness there. Well, you know what? You have the light of the world living on the inside of you. That's a great, that's an exciting thing if you're going into darkness because you get to shine the light and it's going to be so bright if it's super dark there. You get to love them. 
No matter how they act, no matter what they say, no matter what they do, you get the privilege of showing them Christ. Oh, Lord, help us catch this vision and this desire of it not being about us anymore. You know, here's another quick thing that I want to say before we wrap this up. I felt this really strongly. And I don't, I don't necessarily say it's some big revelation from the Holy Spirit. But I have been wrestling with this for several days. So many of us are still tied to things that have happened to us in the past. Things that we did or injustice has done to us. And the Lord wants to set us straight this morning and say, oh, my child, the old is gone. The new has come. Why are you letting that fashion and shape you and mold you? Why are you letting the fact that your father was a total jerk and never said he loved you? Why are you letting that form you and shape you today? I'm, I'm your, I'm your potter. Why are you letting that rejection and that abuse and that hurt? Why are you letting that still fashion inform you today? That's not who you really are. And oh, my child, the enemy's trying to help you stay in that. He wants you to stay in that. And I'm saying, come on out. That's not who you really are. Those things that people did and didn't do and said and didn't say, that's not who you really are. That death of your loved one does not define you. I am your potter. I will mold you and make you into my likeness. Let me mold and make you into my likeness because I want us to be one and I want us to go forth and share and show how much I love the world, how much I love them. And so if that is you, if you feel like there are things in the past that are still just hanging on to you hard, One of the biggies that kept coming to me is the fact that your mom or your dad wasn't a really good mom or dad. Gotta let that go. And fall into the embrace of your heavenly father that loves you so purely. You don't need anything here on earth. Did you know that? Did you know you don't need anything here on earth? God supplies it all. So in other words, you're not here for me. I don't need you. Not in a cocky, arrogant way, but I don't need you. I don't need you to to always reassure me and, and, and to build me up and to love on me. I don't say I love you to wait and hear what you say back. I can just love you. And be so full in the love of God, it's not even funny. I mean, I'm getting kind of crazy and weird that 
now when I'm driving in the car sometimes by myself, I just start crying because he's right there with me, loving me. It's literally the kind of love the scripture says that surpasses knowledge. You don't get it. And I don't care if I don't get it. I just love it. And it enables me to go and love those. That's why when scripture says love your enemies, it doesn't just say that for nothing. It really means love your enemies. And the only way to do that is to die to ourself. And by the grace of God, let him transform every motive, every thought, every action. He loves you. It is his desire to commune with you like they did in the garden, to be with you, and then to show forth through you. It's good. Let's all stand.